Okay, good morning, Nuke Academy, and welcome to session two of uh, the Nuke Academy podcast. And I'm joined today by uh, Head of Geography, Mr. Ben Nelson. Welcome, Ben. Hello, everyone. Lovely. And today we are going to look at questioning, but just from a slightly different angle. We just want to think about why we question and what makes good questioning rather than giving you too many strategies to work on. We will give some strategies, but initially um, what I want to ask Ben really is why question and why is question important? Uh, thank you, Nate. Hello. Um, firstly, I think from doing a, a master's module a few years ago on questioning, something that really stuck out to me in the findings was a lot of teachers spend their time asking what what is defined as management questions. Um, has everyone finished? Does everyone understand? Um, has everyone got this? And I think they're the sort of questions that a lot of findings suggest over half of all questions teachers are asking are what we're doing. Secondly, I always worry when I've ever done any sort of teacher training, any, any work with any other staff, questioning is always considered what people say is a strength. They'll say, I'm good at questioning. And so, and I, I'm the same. And so it's something I wanted to start unpicking a little bit because I've always thought myself as good at questioning, but what does that actually mean? So it's just something we're trying to work on in geography at the moment uh, and hopefully can pass on some help to the rest of you. Interesting. So f- fundamentally, why do we even ask questions? Why do we ask our students questions? Well, again, I think often to fill the silence if you're in my classes, but obviously it's for checking for understanding. We have to make sure we're checking understand kids understand. Um, it really obviously helps with improving recall and retrieval. Uh, but the one I, I want us to work on specifically in geography is to, is to deepen thinking and, and understanding to actually push pupils further and stretch and challenge and, and including more push has been a big focus in geography since since I got here and it's still something we're working towards but um, we all do it, we all do it all the time, we do it all, you know, it's something we've done from the start, it's something that does, it happens in every lesson but um, I wanted to work a bit more with the team on on the style of question and types of questioning to improve how we do that. So, um, Ben, think about why if you've got um, a group of teachers who feel like their question is not of their strength, how what would you do? Where would you start with that sort well, of strategy? Um, heavily influenced by uh, by others, as, as I often do, I still much smarter people's ideas and try and pawn them off my own, um, which I've done throughout my career. I'm a regular mag- magpie, uh, as Nade likes to wind me up about my twittering, what did you refer to me as once? Um, oh, no, don't No, not, 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 not for children's language. Uh, Teach Like a Champion was a book I read a few years back that really helped, I think, with uh, a few areas. Um, specifically, and I think this is something that you have to just work on all the time, and that is that culture of error, they call it, in Teach Like a Champion, where you create an environment where students actually feel safe to make mistakes. Um, I imagine on online, those of you doing live lessons, you're like me, where often you're asking questions to blank responses and no microphone goes on and it feels very sort of disheartening. I think online learning is difficult in that sense, but even in the classroom, this can happen. And I think we have to be really um, clever and careful in how we create environments where pupils are not scared to get things wrong, which I think is a huge thing. And especially, I mean, this is my second school I've worked in. I think new academy kids especially have low confidence and they don't like to get things wrong, especially our most able Um and so often I'll ask questions, expect answers and get just that blank sea uh, of faces. Uh, so Teach Like a Champion's really helped with that. Um, the other one, other aspect in the in strategies do without apology, you know, where you you embrace uh, uh, rigorous content, you really push challenge, you don't you don't set anything lower than the highest standards, which I think New Academy does brilliantly well. Um, and that's something I really, when I came here, it, it was really apparent that that's what we do. And we push, 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 and we don't accept anything easy. It's always about the high challenge. And um, there's just some of the strategies that sort of underpin what we try and do in geography uh, before we start with actual techniques of questioning. 
And that environment's really important, isn't it? In in getting the kids to understand that it's okay to get things wrong and it's okay to make errors. And um, for me, it's then how would you then get the student to see where that error is? I think that all comes down to your scaffolding and your responses to questions, which again, there's a few areas there I, I, I know I'm bad at. Um, I like the sound of my own voices. You're all going to find out listening to this. One of the things that has been the biggest sort of powerful thing for me is that thinking time, actually waiting before you ask, a, sorry, before you move on. Um, I know it's really hard. I've got you know, two NQTs in my department, so they're used to being observed. And it can be very difficult when you're being observed and you ask a question and you, you don't want silence because it feels like lack of progress. But counting to five, counting to 30 in your head, I think can be such a really powerful thing uh, just to give students a chance. And one of the things actually about nice about online learning is you have a little clock in your corner telling you how long you're doing. So when I say 10 seconds, I can actually count 10 seconds as opposed to my usual in lesson going, right, I'm going to give you 10 seconds and then waiting one second and jumping to the next kid. So I think that helps in terms of creating that culture. But I also think just constant positive reinforcement when they, if we keep pushing these students, if we, if we every lesson they know that, yes, okay, it's okay to get things wrong. That's that's part of the learning process. And I think that needs really repeating frequently and that'll help, I think, with, with the, the classroom environment we have. Absolutely. And also, I think it's important for me is to preempt those, some of those errors and preempt some of those misconceptions. So do you believe, Ben, because you're quite confident in your um, how you speak to your students, you're quite confident in front of the classroom. It's all an act. Yeah. It's all an act, yeah. But do you... <laughs> Do you feel that it is really important to preempt those misconceptions and plan that question in? I think I do come across as confident in my lessons, and I think you, you probably could watch me and think, "Oh, he's just doing it on on a wing sort of Winging thing." Winging it. I'm honestly hours go into planning this, um, and experience obviously helps. You know, certain topics, you know, certain questions. Are an email but yeah i think i think pre-planning questions is absolutely crucial i think that's where collaboration really helps i'm really lucky to have a team where we sit around and we'll often talk about things like you know what, what might come up in terms of misconceptions what might come up as a problem but i really do think it's 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 so important you pre-plan those questions um i often use the notes section in the powerpoint so you, know, you can sort of see them maybe the kids can't but just thinking about what what would kids ask as well as a really useful tool you know got some great planned lessons recently but when I watch other people's lessons I always think like what would I ask if I was a student and sometimes that can help you see things you wouldn't have seen otherwise um, especially because you know we are teaching difficult stuff we are teaching difficult stuff and, so, and often I think that also comes down to that fact that you're the expert so sometimes what you see is quite a simple concept um, the students don't Absolutely. so again it comes all comes down to yes your question but also your modeling as well so how do you then take kids through what you consider to be a simple concept, which is actually for them quite complex because they've never seen it before? I imagine that's especially like saying art because you are a talented artist. Yeah. Apparently. And, <laughs> you know, it's, again, it's like why some footballers, why some great footballers don't make great managers um, because they're not used to players not being as good as them. They're not used to, they, you know, they're going to the dressing room and expect everyone to be as good as them. Um, Roy Keane was a great footballer. He's not, in my opinion, ever been a successful manager. Not really, because his expectation of, is, well, I did it, so why can't you? And I think that's something we have to just be aware of. Absolutely, and it's just like you say, it's planning that modelling and planning them questions against that modelling as well. But there is an interesting technique you can use, isn't it, um, referring to like that process questions? Yeah, so something, um, this was based more on the fact that in geography, over the last few years, one of the lowest performing parts of our exam 
has been the uh, sort of skills-based questions. Kids are losing what I would refer to as easy marks uh, because they're missing out on, for example, very simple mathematic lessons like mean uh, or the range. Uh, work out the difference, for example, last uh, two years ago was a two-mark question that loads of our students didn't get. Um, so when thinking about how, why, why, to me that's such an easy thing, work out the difference between this number and this number, you know, I'm sure Mr Woolley and, and the math team would, would say, well, every kid in the school can do that, and of course they can, but it's the context of where they did it. So instead of asking them the questions now, well, I would have historically gone, right, well, here's two numbers, what's the difference? We now ask them process questions, you know, how do you work out the difference? How do you do this? Um, and that, I, I, I'm hoping, is going to lead to greater success in the, in the future, but it also, it's just that constant referral, like, you've, you've worked it out, like, how did you work it out? Explain to the person next to you how to work it out. I still don't think we use students enough as, as learners for each other. Um, you know, Dylan Williams got loads of stuff on, you know, enabling students to help each other, and that's something I think we can still keep pushing. But, yeah, process questions have helped us in geography, and I imagine... I'm trying to think of an example from for art or other subjects, but yeah, I think it works really well in uh, practical subjects because it's that application of skill. So you might well have students who can use gradual shading, or they can create depth through the use of varying tones. But do they do again? Do they fully understand how they've done it, and therefore how can they build on that? And so by using those process questions and getting them to explain how did you go through that process, how did you do that, um, gets them again to think deeper. And also to look at that sequencing as well, so that sequencing of how they applied that skill and how they got that end result. So you're almost breaking down or reversing that thought process, which encouraging the students to do, um, again, can only be a good thing really as well. But then that would lead on to those probing questions as well. Yeah, so probing questions, and uh, again, sort of picked up from Teach Like a Champion, but also um, other work like the Makeover Lesson Count. I've talked about that. I want more challenging geography. I want to make sure students are stretched, especially at the top end, and especially I think in our GCSE option groups where we do have mixed ability. And I, I, won't, I worry sometimes we sort of naturally move towards the middle there. Um, so probing questions, it's sort of it's pushing them, and it's you know all the middle leaders listening will know we've done a lot of work on curriculum recently and in our intent documents. And when I wrote my intent for geography, some of the things that came through that was that very sort of specific geography terminology or, or geography things that make geography special. For us, it's it's thinking geographically, it's thinking about the social, the economic and the environmental, it's thinking about the short term versus the long term. Uh, one we've pushed a lot recently with the 11 is thinking about um, scale of size. So we were talking about deforestation um, and I want the students to think about how that... Sorry, every kid will always answer a deforestation question with deforestation is bad because it causes climate change. And that is a correct answer. And on a global scale, deforestation does cause climate change. But what about the local scale? What about within that small area what about soil erosion which means trees won't grow in the future what about the, the indigenous tribes that live there so in probing in specific geography i want to see my type my team do more or how does that link to other subjects how does that link to something else? how can we get through that specific terminology or that I've, I've wrote down in my intent i want kids to think geographically i want to see that in the questioning i think all subjects have specific things that make your subject you know special we know what it is in geography and i'm sure you will know what yours is but does that come through in the question and does that stretch those top end kids and um i really think that is something i'd like to see a lot more of uh, in my team and uh, something we're trying to work on in our department time and such so yeah and it's good that you say they they understand always like they've got the answer but why have they got the answer right and it's getting them to probe deeper into so you know you're throwing in questions like well what if what if I put forward this? What is the connection between? Or what if this happens? Or can it cause an effect? What if this um, 
this would happen at this point, would your answer still then be the same? No, it wouldn't. Why is that? So throwing, um, throwing in those sort of conundrums, if you like. And I think that builds resilience as well. I've been, in my career, the biggest change was the sort of the curriculum changes about five, six years ago, where you know, geography hasn't changed, but how they ask geography has. And I think that's where, again, some of our top end kids especially struggle with if the question isn't exactly worded the way they expect a question to be worded, they sort of get thrown off. Um, I see that especially with A-level, with the we have to do 20 mark essays. So we've worked a lot on, well, identify within that question something you recognise and then use your geography, you know, social economic, short-term, long-term, national, global, local. Use your, your, your base skills to answer that question, make the question what you want it to be almost. And that's something I'm hoping will improve uh, outcomes, obviously, for students. But it's, it's again, it's what we're about. Um, as a subject, it's our sort of our, our unique selling point. So, I think it will help, especially push on to get more grade nines, which is obviously always a target. Yeah, and what I was thinking again, though, because we talked about like really using really really challenging questions and getting the kids to really look at say cause and effect or contrast or comparisons, which is brilliant because that allows them to dig deeper. But then that takes us back again to student engagement. Um, so thinking about how. Question is quite scary for students as well, and that that level of oh my god, she's going to ask me, or I don't want to answer, or I'm going to look silly, and it takes us right back to that um, supporting that environment of being safe yeah. to well, make errors and mistakes, and also the no opting out. And I think cold mm. calling and not you know, no hands up and all those strategies we do really well here is is important there. But yeah, we, I think we have to keep keep in every single lesson. It's about that consistency, you know, especially when younger you know, year seven student might have. 10 11 different teachers and if we're all creating that environment where they know asking questions and answering questions is, is supported but also they know they can't opt out um they know you're not if they sit in silence you're not just going to move on to the next kid and i think they're, they're all little things that i know i'm very guilty of doing frequently especially in like say if i'm worried about a pace of a lesson or i'm worried about someone watching me i don't want to ask a kid a question and get blank i'll just jump to the next kid or who you know and i'll ask for hands up that comes back to the environment and the culture we create in terms of questioning that you know they must feel safe to answer questions but they also must understand they can't opt out they can't opt out and there are there is a technique called isn't it say it say it again better which would that supports that again so the kid might give you half an answer or an answer but the answer is quite superficial so there are techniques aren't they to support the students on how do we you know how do we get them to to just deepen that level of understanding that answer yeah, I don't, I don't know who I stole this off, say it again better, but it's, it's a common technique. Um, but you didn't know, Ben, did you? It's your technique. It's mine, it's mine. <laughs> Trademark, say yeah. it again, Benner. Um, yeah, t- TM, pending. Um, I think one thing I'm I'm really guilty at is, is asking a kid a question. They give me a good answer, maybe half an answer, and I'll go, well, does anyone want to add to that? And ask another kid. And actually what I need to do better is maybe take a bit of a breath take a five second gap and then give that kid a little bit of scaffolding, a little bit of help and then get them to say it again better. And, and it'll build their confidence. I think, you know, we're really good, I think, with modelling and we're getting really strong there in terms of sharing kids' work and waggles and all that. But we can do that within our questioning as well. And um, redrafting work, redoing work, it, it's all proven to help. And I think say it again better is a simple way of doing it. Um, it's something I want to try and embed even more so in like the common language in geography uh, where we ask kids frequently to push themselves, uh, say it again better, um, and that I think that comes down to again, it's that panic sometimes when you're asking questions. You don't want to, uh, to the lesson to stall. Uh, but actually, if that kid hasn't given you a good answer or the the full answer, that kid isn't making the progress. It's a misconception there. And with a little bit of help, 
you then go back to that kid right now say it again better let the whole class hear and really celebrate that as well i think it's really important so i think the celebration bit is the bit i really love about that so really acknowledging that first response that is an amazing answer ben and what you've done there is you've really highlighted a if we were to look at b and take that into consideration how would that strengthen a so like really giving them that supportive feedback and inviting the students to say it again as well. So I think as regarding what we were saying about student engagement and building that confidence to, yeah. to be able to expand on their answering, that say it again better is a really, really well, good technique. And I think the work the school's done, and Rebecca's a lot of this with the mini whiteboards. I never used mini whiteboards before I came here. Um, I'm a complete convert, but there's, there's lots to like about mini whiteboards, but one is the, the uh, participation. You know, I was awful for most of my career, just me standing at the front and Again, those that have seen me know I love my voice. I love to sound the front. I'm, the, I'm in charge, asking questions, but actually, do I get everyone involved? And I still feel that's an, a major area across the school we can keep improving on. But we, 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 we've got all these great tools now and, and all these great bits of technology, actually, which I've always been a bit anti, to help improve that. And I think if we can keep pushing uh, bigger participation in questioning, and I think especially young staff, I still feel they often will rely just on themselves, asking a pupil a question, that's that's make sure we're including as many as possible and i think the, the whiteboards are great for that and it is one of the things i can't believe i'm saying this but one of the things i quite like about the sort of remote learning lockdown aspect is things like microsoft forms do allow you to get 100 participation i think it's something we will move forward with in geography maybe with homework um using the multiple choice questions using those sort of hinge questions um you know to, to challenge kids thinking to help us as teachers understand where the misconceptions are but also to get higher levels of, of um participation um, i've always hated kahoot uh, i've always been a hater of kahoot i don't like kahoot because it's about time being quick um and i think that's that goes against the thought process but i'm not saying let's get our mobile phones out mr fish don't worry but i mean i'm, I'm thinking you know in the future using technology more to get higher participation should be something we maybe focus on. Because that's linking in with what the the kids are comfortable with, isn't it? The students are comfortable with. They're more they're much more comfortable with technology than we are. Yeah. So sort of um, using that to support and also to engage because it's something that they're already comfortable with before the start. Um, so I think that would really help. And I think earlier you mentioned about cross curricular and, and stuff like that. But again, by using maybe stuff that they already know or they're already interested in and using your question to build on that as well. So using everyday stuff, using stuff that is current in in the news or social yeah, I think, media. I think we're, we're very lucky in geography with that because you know, our subject lends itself very nicely. And I think my team are really good at, you know, if something's happened, they'll, they'll reference it very easily. But equally, we know our students cultural capital and it's, it's it's limiting factors to the progress um and we need to help work build on that and actually i think with our question we can do that something um i'm not hopefully afraid to do and i think a lot of staff ask again at maybe especially in observations is going off piece tangent there's nothing wrong with the tangent in my opinion if it's if it's relevant to the learning if it's relevant to what we're doing um we teach Lagos as a case study in geography. It's a year nine and 10 would have learned about the city of Lagos. It's a rapidly growing city. Um, quite recently, there's been some political unrest in Lagos where people have been shot dead and such. Kids wanted, to, well, a few kids had seen that in the social media or on the news and wanted to ask about it. And, and I think it's important we address those things and, and it all builds up their bigger picture of something. We don't we don't shy away from those. Um, it's very, again, it's very easy to, to worry about the pace of the lesson, the, way, the pace, you know, what we're doing, we need to get through the content, we need to get to the end. But good questions can lead to great tangents and that can help build up that further knowledge as well. So I don't think, I think staff just need to not be afraid to go off piece. 
No, yeah. absolutely. I think, yeah. Some students are very clever at making you go off piece. Yeah. And, and I can think <laughs> yeah. of one lad in year 11 who, uh, who, who's very, I think, has, over the years has learned that if he asks me certain questions, he stops having to write because he knows I'll just start yabbing. Um, but yeah, nothing, nothing wrong with doing that. And I think building up their, their wider knowledge base, their cultural capital. I think another good technique, which I sometimes use, but I tend to use it with year seven, is that sort of, um, that sort of, I always pretend that I've lost memory and I can't remember what we taught from the week before. So I'll say, come on, what did we, what did we learn the week before? And then that is a very simple question. Oh, miss, we learned about Picasso. And I'm like, no, sorry, Picasso, not familiar. Who, who's Picasso? And then the kids love the fact that they're telling you and you can then build your questioning. So they'll say, you do know Picasso, Miss, you do know Picasso, we painted this, did he? Well, did he? What, what's his work like? And I'm then they'll describe yeah. it. I'm sure acting dumb is very easy for you, Nade, and I find yeah. it harder. Um, <laughs> but yeah, those Socratic questions, yeah, it's, it's, it's playing dumb. Uh, and again, I mean, Jono's brilliant at it in geography, or he's very good at playing dumb, asking about rivers. Um, and it's, it's that just, well, hang on, why do you think that? Or does everyone think that? Does, it's, it's that constant push and... and, and Making them think, and that's what we want. We want kids thinking. We want kids working hard on hard work, and that's that's to me. Is if we get that right, everything else will come. Um, but it's it's also about moving away from those management questions. Go back, back to the very start. How often do you ask kids? Does everyone know what we're doing? You know, what what answer are you expecting from that? As opposed to right, who can explain what we're doing? And it's those little simple changes I need to make more of in my teaching, especially online learning. I'm I, I'm noticing myself doing a lot more. Uh, with live lessons on on teams so it's moving away from predominantly those closed questions which is, which are fine they're absolutely fine they have their place and i'm not saying that yeah needed, recall sometimes is absolutely brilliant but yeah. it's just also that develops your ability as a practitioner um so what question is appropriate at what this stage absolutely brilliant ben i want you to ask you three things could you give us three tips three, for your final um, three tips uh, Rosenshine says effective teachers ask significantly more questions than less effective ones so just just keep asking lots of questions there's never enough questions in my opinion keep asking 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 um, I think that's crucial uh, try and get maximum participation I think that's the other thing in my early career especially I was I always felt I was good at asking good deep probing questions to one kid how was I including the other 32 kids or whatever in the room um, and lastly mix it up I think you know Variety is the spice of life. Is that the you know, that's a good it? one? Yeah. Love it. I, I think spice. again with the retrieval stuff we do, with all the stuff we do, I think don't just keep doing the same thing. And, and I became very formulaic as a teacher. I think, and there's so many different strategies out there. Yeah, you could try them, and, and then if they don't work, obviously you reflect on that. Why didn't it work? And, and move on. But yeah, don't don't always rely on the same sort of one or two techniques like I have done. Um, try and try and be a bit more varied, varied in, in your approach. Excellent. Ben, can I just say a massive thank you for your time? That wasn't too bad, actually. What, 22 minutes? 22 minutes. I thought we were going to be here till Thursday, so yeah. we've done pretty good. By my standard, I would say that's pretty good. Yeah, yeah. thank Teach, you. Teacher talk, 23 minutes out of a lesson. Yeah, that's about right for me. Um, maybe, yeah, okay, maybe five more minutes if you want me to. Oh, no, I think we've had enough of you. It's my thank- time task now. <laughs> thank you very much, Ben, for your time. My pleasure. Thank you.